This is Wired Up. With Matt Kennedy and Jerry Peralta. On KMSA 91.3. You know, I'm a very optimistic person. I consider myself to be the exact opposite of pessimistic, which means I have an open mind and I like to believe in the best of people. You know, like I like to sit here and think good things can come. Good things can come. For the whole entire summer, I sat at home in Denver. I lived in Denver over the summer. I sat in Denver and I watched everything happen at Broncos training camp. And I saw Joe Flacco perform. I saw Drew Locke come in. I saw Cortland Sutton in his second year. Uh, everybody else on the defense. Vic Fangio taking over. Rick Scangarello implementing a new offense. And I was like, hey, you know, we had a good offseason. Brought in a lot of guys. John Elway drafted well. He had some very good free agents come in. Week one could be good. Week one could be a great thing for us. And then... We lose in the black hole. The last time we ever play a game in Oakland, we leave our mark by taking a crap on it. I mean, how how humiliating does it have to be? I mean, Jerry, I mean, Jerry, do you do you understand my pain here? Mm. I'm I'm not saying I'm I'm giving up on this season. That is that is being way too pessimistic. I was, yeah, I was gonna say I'm like I like, know you're not giving like up. Like I said, I'm being optimistic, but but can you but. Have you ever been let down so hard after things being so promising? Yeah. Leading up to that point, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You, you know? Uh, yeah, I do know. I do know, Matt. Uh Den- Denver the, lost the, the Super Bowl where Seattle threw on the fir- on the one yard line. <laughs> you, things look promising there. No. Nope. Yeah. 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 So I, I, I understand your pain. You understand? Yeah, I understand, then I don't. Thank you. So th- this is, this is going to be an interesting tangent that you're going to go off, and I'm kind of excited to sit here and listen to what you have to say. Matt Kennedy, Jerry Peralta, Wired Up, 91.3 FM, KMSA, Music for the Cardinals Mavericks. What a way to start the show. <laughs> right? Friday the 13th edition. That's how I'm feeling. Ooh, spooky. The Broncos lose in the black hole. <laughs> Today on the show, that's exactly what we're going to talk about. Denver in their week one. Preview of the week to match up against uh, the Chicago Bears. Vic Fangio's old team returning to Denver. And hopefully we'll be joined by uh, BSN Broncos reporter Zach Stevens. He will be joining us on the show here, hopefully by 5.15. He, uh, I, he confirmed yesterday and then did not confirm today. So I, li- I, like, I like confirmation. I like con- and, and sometimes... Well, sometimes we need confirmation in when we try to do these kinds of things. Exactly. And sometimes that's just... You know, you got, you got to roll the punches. Yeah. And so Zach doesn't come on... It won't be the first time. Um, it's not the end of the world either. It's not the end of the world. We'll talk so. about it. And then we'll jump into some Antonio Brown talk because, dude, oh everybody's talking about AB. Might as well might as well jump on the train. Well, the, okay, let's be honest here. Leading up to this, this is going to be an interesting topic for what we have planned for AB. I feel like this is going to be something me and you will probably, depending on what, what is said, we may disagree on this one. So it's going to be interesting. It's, Maybe. It's going to be interesting talk. And after that, we will uh, jump into some discussion regarding the NCAA and the state of California. Should student-athletes be paid? Now, I know me and you have differing opinions because we were talking about this prior to the show. But I, but then again, our differing opinions 
are are different based on <laughs> on other circumstances. You, yes. So we'll get to, into that when we get into that. But Matt, Bronco Talk. Uh, how about I leave this off for you so that way you don't have to, uh, you know, re- regurgitate what you said. You know, Denver, like you said, Denver loses a very crucial week one game against the Raiders. Uh, it's and it's brought down a lot of optimism that the Denver fans had lead going into the season. And you know, you look you looking at this game. I'm pretty sure you watched it every second. Yeah. So you were you're probably optimistic throughout the whole game. I mean, until the fourth quarter. Until the fourth quarter. I mean, I'm looking at the box score because I did not watch this game. I'll be honest. Uh, but I see a lot of, I see a lot of opportunity for growth here. Statistically, Denver didn't play a bad game. It all around, it looks like Denver had a really great game. You had Joel Flacco throwing for over 260, 60 some yards, ha- having a touchdown. Uh, Roy Freeman and Philip Lindsay do, you know, really turning on the Jets. You know, they didn't combine for over 100 yards, but. Or, but you know I mean it was still better than nothing. And then me, Cortland Sutton was doing a good job. So I get it was a lot of growth. No, I, no, I get no, I get it. I get I get everything. I get everything that you're saying. Um, somebody's calling in right now. Uh, hopefully that's not Zach. Oh, well, uh, while Matt goes to answer that, uh, we'll just think we'll be back in thirty seconds. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll back in thirty seconds. I know myself, and I know my buzzed warning signs. One shot is about knowing my limits or not necessarily knowing my limits. I start with one shot to have a good time. One of the signs that I'm starting to feel a little buzz is when I start solving not only my own problems, but the entire world's problems. When I know I'm going out, I know I'm gonna start with calling for a ride. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Adopt US Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting. A teenager learning the lingo. Goat. G-O-A-T, acronym, stands for greatest of all time. As in, spaghetti sandwiches for dinner? They're my fave. Dad, you're the GOAT. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. Visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. Sorry about that, folks. Well, had a little, had a little call. You know, you, the the way our our system works. Let me let me explain real quick. Let me explain. So we have our studio phone, right? Yes. Um, it doesn't send outgoing calls, so we can't call our guests. Our guests have to call us. And when the phone rings, a light flashes inside our studio, and we have to uh, pick it up. And it doesn't say who it is. It only says caller ID, and I don't have the contact saved. So I thought that could have been Zach Stevens from BSN Broncos, who hopefully will be joining us here on the show shortly, but that was actually Tyler Franson, um, former Camus State general manager way back in the day. Yeah. And he's currently over at Stoker Stadium getting ready to call a high school football game for 1340 the team. Yep. So anyway, back to... Oh, maybe he'll be back on the show when we talk about Antonio Brown. I asked him to call in later, but he called in ahead of time. So anyways, back on the tangent. <laughs> back on the tangent. Um, yes, we were looking at the Denver Broncos. They lost a very, very crucial, uh, crucial week one game against the Oakland Raiders in an AFC West matchup. Oakland was not favored in the game, Jerry. Denver was projected to beat their AFC West rival. Oh, yeah. Wival. Wival, I'm sorry. Wival. I know. Give me a second. Instead, <laughs> we saw a rather dominant John Gruden offense led by Derek Carr and Josh Jacobs that were, that were able to score on their first drive of the game against a projected top 10 defense in Denver. 
So that's how the game started, right? Derek Carr led the Raiders down on the very first drive. Took like seven minutes off the clock, and they scored. I was like, okay, fine. That's how it's going to be. We'll score eventually. 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 And we did in a field goal. Denver offense was shut out. The crucial point of this game, the red zone. One for four, scoring-wise, and the red zone efficiency. 25%. It's not good. It's not good. Everything that you saw... Uh, Joe Flacco throwing incomplete passes, a couple of those being a drop pass to Deshaun Hamilton, which would have would have brought Denver back in the game in the fourth quarter. But that didn't happen. You had the offensive line who was not protecting Joe Flacco at all. He got sacked a couple of times. You had Juwan Three James. Times. You had Juwan James, uh, the tackle for the Denver Broncos, who was at, at one point this year the highest paid tackle at his position in the NFL. He went down. He now has a knee sprain, which he'll miss multiple weeks for. He went down in the first quarter. So he'll be missing from the Denver lineup, in which Elijah, Elijah Wilkinson took over at right tackle and didn't do bad. But right as he came in, Khalil Mack, not Khalil Mack, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, he's gone. Wrong team. Wow. Khalil Mack will probably destroy him this Sunday. But, but the Raiders' defensive line um, did not take very well to the offensive line of the Denver Broncos. Other things that we saw. Denver had zero sacks, right? Yep. And it seemed as if Von Miller and Bradley Chubb were not mentioned at all on the Monday Night Football broadcast. And why am I talking about this almost a week later? Because, because, guys, because it's important, all right? It's important to me right now because we're facing off this Sunday against Vic Fangio's former team, against a Bears team, Jerry, who also lost in week one. Against the Green Bay Packers, right? Yeah. In a very low-scoring affair in which Aaron Rodgers came back at the end. was not defensively impressive, but it was more... No, it was... It was or or it wasn't offensively impressive. There you go. There you go. It was a defensive masterpiece. Yeah. You know, like, it's... We started the season the way we ended it last year. Yep. With the Super Bowl and then the opening game against the Bears Bears and the Packers. That guy threw me off. I thought New England started... they play the game on Sunday against the, the Steelers. Oh, I know, but I fe- but I thought Super Bowl champs oh, always. I'm not sure. I, I don't know how that works, but anyway, get to you. It was under season, so they wanted a long historic rivalry there. Anyways, the Broncos face off against the Bears. Both teams are 0-1, right? If either team loses this game, which one of them will, of course, because that unless they tie. That that <laughs> the, may not be a bad outcome. The, the, the Cardinals and the Lions. I wouldn't mind that. I wouldn't mind a tie this weekend, actually. But if one team loses the fan base of that team will freak out. You know, I was listening to ESPN. I was listening to Golak and Wingo earlier on today, and they had a Bears reporter on, and he said, um, if the Bears lose on a scale of 1 to 10, what should the panic meter be? He said 18. You know? Because Mitchell Trubisky, they they brought up the conversation of the 2017 uh, draft class, the fact that the Bears took Mitch over Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. Right? So the panic there in Chicago is severe. I would say it's pretty much the exact same here in Denver, right? Everybody's been on the hot seat. And after everything that we promised this offseason coming in, I did not expect this team to go 0-2, nor do I want them to. But you know what? Denver's got the second toughest schedule in the NFL, Jerry. Yeah, that's that's very... Next week, they face off against Green Bay. Yeah. Come on. NFC North is a very competitive division, which we have to face all four of those teams. Yep. And this is where I'm at. I'm still sour about the Raiders game, and I'm sure the Broncos are too, but they fixed a lot of things this week. All right, they got a couple players coming back, trying to see if Bryce Callahan and um, Andy Jano 
and a couple other players like Juwan Winfrey will be available on Sunday. Still got Juwan James out. Um, well, I'm looking at the IR. Todd Davis will pro- also probably be out. So I'm questioning that's going to happen. And I wanted to ask Zach Stevens, the reporter for BSN Broncos, what his take was because he's, of course, there talking to John Elway, talking to Mick Fangio. He's there. He's at practice this week. Um, but, of course, we're not here. So we're left in the dust. I wanted to ask him, what would the panic meter be if we lost? And do the Broncos stand any chance on Sunday? And if they do, what things needed to be fixed? I mean, I can give you my take, especially considering. Give me, I'll give you. Oh yeah, I'll give you my list of opinions. But Jerry, please let me hear. Yeah. Well, okay. This is this is this is from my perspective here. You ha- you have two teams who struggled exponentially in in the red zone this this for week one. Couldn't score. You know, it took a while to score. Defensively, both teams played relatively well. The Broncos. Uh. I'll, I'll just just hear me out. The Broncos, even though they were not able to get a sack, you were still able to keep Oakland to yes. at least twenty four, yes, and not, you were still yes. able to keep yourselves in the game. The Bears, same exact thing. They were still able to keep themselves in the game. It was a very competitive game. And I'm looking at this. If Denver were to lose in Week Two, and you know. And I'm to look at the panic meter, or like you were saying that they brought that up. Yes, I would say I, I would just have to say the panic meter for some Denver fans is probably going to be at least seven or eight. And here's why: you guys are pro- the team is pro- promised to look way better than what you have looked the past two years under Vince Vince Joseph Vance Vance Joseph. What he's he's that forgettable. Very forgettable. <laughs> anyway, forgettable. Anyway, you you now have a starting quarterback who who is experienced, who who has been to playoffs, multiple playoffs, has won a Super Bowl. Yes. You you have a running game who can compensate for that quarterback. You have receivers who you can turn to with quarterback. You have an offensive line who you have paid specific players big money to do their job and do their job well. And then you're and defensively, you're still looking like one of the top ten defenses in the league. Yeah, you could panic after if Denver goes zero and two, but you're not going to be panicking much. And you, all the chips are on the table, or all the star chips are on the table for Denver to do good. But it's just a matter of getting through it. And like you said, they are going. They are with the second the second uh, toughest schedule in this league for this season. They do have a lot to work around. You like They will play the whole NFC North. The, and the NFC North is one of the scariest in the NFC. Uh-huh. So you, there's a lot of room for Denver to go should this see, should you go 0-2 in these first two weeks. Okay, so you, you started by listing off the points about Joe Flacco, of Ryan Game and Philip Lindsay and, and Royce Freeman. You then listed off the impeccable impeccable defense, which they have, led by one of the best defensive minds in the NFL, minus Bill Belichick. Jerry, you, you just listed everything that we talked about this offseason, right? Yeah. And we went in to week one thinking that, saying it should work. It should be a system that should be performing, you know? But for some reason, I don't know what it was. I don't know what the bug was in week one, it just didn't work. John uh, John Gruden did a very good job counteracting the Denver offense. 
Um, Josh Jacobs, former Alabama running back, rookie running back for the Oakland Raiders, had a 100-yard game to, on his first game in the NFL. He, he won my fantasy week, and so did Brandon McManus. Because of the lack of Denver performing well in the red zone, Brandon McManus won me my fantasy football game because he had like four field goals. Good right? job. So thank you to Brandon, but I would much rather have the Denver Broncos win a game. You know? Well, that- and you, you also have to look at the fact that a lot that yes, Denver is under new management. This and I, t- and like, I get it. Like it may take a while. You yeah, know? You, look but at the- John Gruden. Yeah, you, you may be down Antonio Brown, who you paid money for, but you were still able to come away with a win. You know, he has been has at least been with the Raiders for a season. Like he's it. been able to get some I get or, he's been able to get some organization. Vic Fangio, you know, you may have to wait a season, you may have to wait a couple of weeks. It's just a matter of getting these pieces together for him and getting them to work. No, I get it. And I get it. And and first team offense only had maybe thirty collective snaps in the preseason together. You know? And in practice, they've been getting demolished by the defense. Yeah. Um so maybe it does take a game to work. I'm just saying it should work. I predicted at the beginning of the year that Denver will finish 9-7. and seven. I still hold true to that. If they lose the next game and then the next game and then the next game, of course that will change. We'll see. This Sunday they'll play against the Bears, 2.30 Mountain West time. When we come back, Antonio Brown. Jeez, what a guy. What, any, what any, a guy. Any something. What a guy. We'll talk about how great he is. Coming up, Matt Kennedy, Jared Peralta, wired up. I spend a lot of time in the garage, but even more time in the rain, sleet, and mud. In 95, I helped tow your moving trailer. In 05, I helped you get out of a ditch. Yeah, I know I'm a bit rusty, and sadly in 09, it was sparks from me, your handy chains, dragging behind your truck that accidentally started a wildfire. Sparks from dragging chains can start a wildfire. Spark a change, not a wildfire. Visit SmokeyBear.com, brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Only you can prevent wildfires. Sweet strawberry icing. You're in goodwill and just past that vintage denim jacket you spot. Miniature donut earrings. You lean in. Ah, that's the scent of shopping success. Because at Goodwill, every item you buy funds local job training and more. So bring home those donut earrings and bring home so much good to your community. Goodwill. Bring good home. Brought to you by Goodwill and the Ad Council. Did you just look down at your phone? You did it again, didn't you? You know, you're flying down the road in a three-ton hunk of steel. And a text takes your eyes off the road for an average of five seconds. At 55 miles per hour, that's long enough to travel the length of a football field and cause some serious damage. Turn it off. Trust me. Whatever it is, you'll live. Learn more at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. My name is Hunter Hayes. I know myself, and I know my buzzed warning signs. One shot is about knowing my limits or not 
necessarily knowing my limits. I start with one shot to have a good time. One of the signs that I'm starting to feel a little buzz is when I start solving not only my own problems, but the entire world's problems. When I know I'm going out, I know I'm gonna start with calling for a ride. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Adopt US Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting a Teenager Learning the Lingo. GOAT, G-O-A-T, acronym, stands for greatest of all time, as in spaghetti sandwiches for dinner? They're my fave. Dad, you're the GOAT. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. Visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. As I was saying earlier, as I was saying just a second ago, we started out optimistic, right? And I'm gonna go back to the Broncos because I messed up on my end. Um, right now we got Zach Stevens from BSN Broncos joining us. Zach, can you hear us say okay? Yes, I can. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. Tried to add him on a little bit ago. I messed up on my end, gave him the wrong phone number, so. Good job, Matt. My bad. <laughs> my bad. Matt Kennedy, Jerry Peralta, 913 from Camusay. Joining by Zach Stevens from BSN Broncos. Um, listen to him. On top, he's, he's, he's on all the time. BSN Broncos podcast. Go and listen on Spotify, uh, everything else like iTunes, Google Podcasts. It's all there. It's an amazing podcast to listen to all the time. Zach, um, what should I expect, man? I, um, we, me and Jerry were talking just a second ago. And, of course, I am a huge, huge Broncos fan. And I grew up and I was saying how this season we approached with so much optimism after the summer. And then this Sunday against the Raiders in week one, it should have worked, but it didn't. So yeah. going into week two against the Bears, Vic Fangio's former team, Khalil Mack's coming into town, what is going to be different about this week? And what should we oh. expect? Should we expect the exact same thing or should we expect something radically different? Yeah, you hope it's something drastically different. But if, if, you, if you take a step back and look at it, I don't know how, how much you can expect to be different. Look, Joe Flacco wasn't bad on Monday night. Joe Flacco was Joe Flacco. He was exactly what the Broncos uh, got when they traded for him. He's a guy that's going to keep you in, in, in pretty much every single game, but he's only going to win you one or two games on his own a season. Right. He needs a, a great supporting cast around him. And the defense totally, totally let the Broncos down. Um, and the Raiders approach this game with a fantastic game plan. It is the game plan to beat a team with a great pass rush, and that is get the ball out quick, 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 under two seconds. They did that. They neutralized the pass rush, and Vic Fangio did not adjust. That that absolutely shocked me. I thought Vic was going to press the corners, uh, make it so that they couldn't throw that quick, but he didn't. So this week, Boy, if I'm Matt Nagy and the Bears, I'm approaching this defense the exact same way that Derek Carr and John Gruden did, and I'm throwing the ball quick. Now, that's not really Mitchell Trubisky's game, so I think that'll play into the Broncos' advantage. And, boy, if you can allow this pass rush uh, to, to get after the quarterback, that right there changes the entirety of the game. And so I do think that'll happen. I do think the defense will have a better day. I think you'll finally see and hear uh, Von Miller and Bradley Chubb's name called. But then on the other side, the Broncos' offense did nothing until yeah. garbage time last week against the Raiders, 
And that's the Raiders we're talking about. I mean, they, they have uh, one or two names on that team. Now you're facing the elite defense in the NFL and the Bears. And what is so scary to me is Garrett Bowles and Elijah Wilkinson going up against that front seven, specifically with Khalil Mack. So I see the defense, the Broncos defense having a better game and the offense having a worse game. How confident are you in Elijah and his ability? He came in right after Juwan got injured, and he did okay. You know, he, he had a lot of praise coming out of training camp, and he's been the primary backup tackle. Now he has to be the guy for six to however, uh, however long, six weeks to however long Juwan is out with his knee sprain. How confident are you that he will, will be able to stand his ground? And you know, if we're, being, if, if we're being realistic about Elijah, He's a, he's a great backup. He can play four backup spots, everything but center, and, and he you feel comfortable with him backing up any of those four spots. But he, he's a backup. And so when backups are called into play, you can't expect that much from them. I know in Denver a lot of people are very optimistic on what he can do. Uh, but being realistic, I, I think he's going to play like, like a, a very good backup. Um, and that doesn't profile well when you're going up against Khalil Mack. And boy, if, if I'm Pagano out there, the defensive coordinator in Chicago, I am making sure that I am attacking the edges as much as I can. And it's easy to do when you have the weapons he does. Zach Stevens joining us from BSN Broncos and BSN Denver. Uh, Zach, one of the plays that stood out to me the most was, of course, one of the plays that happened in the red zone for Denver. Of course, that resulted in another Brandon McManus field goal. And I was saying earlier, Brandon McManus, he won me my fantasy game this week because I had him as a kicker. And I had Josh, <laughs> and I had Josh Jacobs as well, you know? And as much as I love winning in fantasy, I would much rather have Denver win in real life. And Brandon McManus had a great field goal day because of plays, what happened between Joe Flacco and Deshaun Hamilton. Uh, Deshaun dropped a key touchdown pass, or at least what would have been a touchdown pass, and that would have brought the Broncos back into the game. Right after the game, Joe said that he remains confident in his receivers, especially Deshaun. Deshaun said... Uh, if he had another 99 chances to catch it, he would catch it 99 times. Um, is Joe Flacco justified in his confidence, or should we be concerned about the lack of targeting, targeting to uh, people like Emmanuel Sanders and the drop by Hamilton that would have gunned Denver back in the game? Yeah, here's the thing. The, the drops are not a surprise to me at all. During training camp, drops plagued this team. Everyone but Emmanuel Sanders had so many drops throughout training camp. And we asked Joe Flacco about this near the end of camp. And he said, Oh, drops, they'll straighten themselves out. Don't worry about that. And, you know, I'm looking around at everyone else in the media and we're all going, what? <laughs> you know, you, you always preach your practice, uh, how, how you're going to play. And so the, the drop is not a surprise to me, but it wasn't just Deshaun. So I, if I'm Joe, I'm not losing confidence in Deshaun just after that one drop because I know everyone else but Emmanuel had all of those drops as well and is just as capable of those drops. But you brought up a great point about Emmanuel. He has to be a key part of this offense on every single possession. Now, he did a great job bouncing back, had over 80 yards in the second half, got that touchdown in garbage time, but he had one catch for six yards at halftime. And the, the Broncos all said this week that that was not in the plans. In fact, uh, Emmanuel was affected uh, by by the baseball field more than anyone else. He, he slipped a few times on plays that was designed to go to him. But what I say to that is, if Emmanuel slips on one play, design, 
the the very next play to go to him. And if he slips on that play, design the very next play after that to go to him because he is so key to this offense. We saw it all throughout training camp when he was on the field, which what, what was less than half the time, the offense was good. They, the offense was serviceable. It was manageable. It's what this team needs. When he was not on the field, the offense w- was straight up bad. So if you have him out there and you're not looking his way, then the offense isn't going to be good. And it's going to look like what we saw in that first half, which was zero points. Yeah. Yeah. And so, Zach, for me, this is kind of been an interesting topic because he's a Seahawks fan. I am a Seattle fan. I, I, mm. I've been kind of. Trump Pueblo is a Seahawks fan. What's up with that? Yeah. <laughs> so, for me, it's been kind of a situation where I'm on the outside looking in, I'm kind of just seeing what's happening, you know, from what I can see. And, I, I see a lot of potential growth in this team, but honestly, in your own opinion, how confident are you in this team after just the one week and especially looking ahead towards their NFC North schedule, who, let's be honest, the NFC North is always a tough div, tough uh, division to play against, no matter if you're AFC or NFC, um, that they have coming up. Yeah, and then you throw in that the Broncos have to play the AFC West, which appears like the worst team there. The Raiders is actually going to be a problem for the Broncos. Yes, so yeah. it, 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 is, it is a nightmare if you look ahead. So to, to Broncos fans, one weekend, if you want to have confidence and, and not feel like the world is absolutely collapsing around you, don't look too far out because of <laughs> the problems you just mentioned. And going into this season, I thought this team – was about an eight and eight team, uh, and that, that that's improvement from the last two years. So trending up. Is it does it fit Broncos standards? Absolutely not. But you're moving in the right direction. But after week one, that was their most winnable road game. Yeah. Was at Oakland. I don't know, and and I'm not trying to overreact, but I don't know how you can look at each game for the rest of the season and definitively say, oh, the Broncos are going to win that game. Oh, the Broncos are going to win that game. I can't do it. I, you know, b- going into Week One, I would have said at Oakland that that is a game that they really should win. Uh, Tennessee playing Tennessee. Well, Tennessee looked great against the Browns. I can't say that anymore. Maybe you can say the Browns at home after that, but I believe they're going to bounce back. Uh, and then maybe the Lions at home. But outside of that, I mean, that that's just three or four games right there. And I'm not even comfortable saying those are wins. Now, do I think the Broncos are going to go 3-13? and 13? No, I don't think so. But after seeing what we saw on Monday, and remember, that was the first time that we've seen a Vic Fangio head coach team. That was the first time we've seen a Rich Scangarello uh, as an offensive coordinator. It was the first time we've seen Joe Flacco as the Broncos quarterback. So that's all the film we have was Monday, and it wasn't good film. Zach, final question for you, Zach. Joining us from BSN Broncos. Prediction for this Sunday against the Bears. It is going to take place in Denver. Vic Fangio is, a, is facing his former team in the Chicago Bears. Cleo Max in the town. What is your prediction for the final score and the winner? Well, last week the Broncos somehow got 16 points on the board. And I said the offense wasn't going to be able to do that again this week. I think it's going to be a, a low, low-scoring brawl. It's going to be a defensive game. It's going to be a game that Vic Fangio absolutely loves to see, except for the final score. I think it's going to be 16-13 to 13 Bears. I Maybe one touchdown in this game. Maybe each team gets one touchdown, uh, but, but that's going to be it. I think the Bears just squeeze it out in the end, and the, the thing I can't get past 
is Garrett Bowles and Elijah Wilkinson going up against this absolutely dominant front seven with a defensive MVP in there. Just say a couple prayers. Maybe that'll work. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully. Anyway, Zach, thanks for joining us. Zach Stevens from BSN Broncos. Listen to him on the BSN Broncos podcast. It's almost daily, right? You guys, you guys post all the time. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Daily. Hey, hey guys, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Thanks, Zach. Have a good one. Zach Stevens joining us on the show. See, he hangs up the phone and we will head into a quick break. When we come back. Tyler Franson joins us from the team 1340. As we talk, finally, some Antonio Brown, Matt Kennedy, Jared Peralta. Wired up. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hey, y'all. Jeff Foxworthy here. Now, if you've ever found yourself repeating the same thing over and over for 75 years, you might be Smokey Bear. Only you can prevent wildfires. That's why I'm filling in for Smokey to switch things up, because there's a lot more to say. And I should know because my grandfather was a firefighter. And one of the things he taught me is that the people that love the outdoors the most are often the ones accidentally starting wildfires, which means always (laughs) BYOB. No, bring your own bucket to the campfire. And be extra careful with things like burning yard trimmings. Don't just walk away or chances are you might be starting a wildfire. So for the love of the outdoors, go to SmokeyBear.com to learn more about wildfire prevention. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. KMSA 91.3 FM, Grand Junction. Five thirty-six uh, on this Friday. Jerry Peralta along with Matt Kennedy. That is weird to hear that in reverse. Matt, Ken- Matt Kennedy, Jerry Peralta. <laughs> <laughs> there, wired up. And now, thanks to Zach, St- thanks to Zach Steven for coming on the show. But now we're going to move on and away from this Broncos talk. We're going to talk about Antonio Brown and what a great guy he is. Just, uh, I mean, ser- seriously. <laughs> you know what? I think he's a great human being. As John Gruden said, he's the most misunderstood human being on the face. No, 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 no. And, and why is Matt shouting no, no, no? Well, I believe it was one, two days after Antonio Brown signs with his new team, the New England Patriots, mm-hmm. a lawsuit comes out mm-hmm. into the air, and Antonio Brown is being sued for sexual assault. And Atlas has a lot of people questioning whether or not he should be allowed to play based on that. 
And two counts of sexual assault, one actual count of rape. Yeah. So it's, there's there's a lot he is getting that this lawsuit has. And they're all you know, civil cases too, by the way. They're not criminal cases. Yeah, they're all civil cases. He ain't he isn't gonna face jail time should any of these uh pan out the way they would. But I mean, that question being asked, should he be allowed to play? For this this week, because he couldn't play last week against Pittsburgh, he's go, he's gonna get to play against Miami for the week two. But should he be allowed to play? And and this is my answer, and I'm gonna say no. My reasoning is because players have been outcasted from the NFL for far less. Well, not far less, but for for less than what uh, he has done, especially considering the the type of case we're seeing here. Antonio Brown uh, obviously denies these accusations. And on first take, you know, we, we like to use first take a lot here um, on Wired Up. But Max Kellerman was saying, no, he should not be allowed to play um, for this. And going back to what my point about other players being outcasted, uh, Colin Kaepernick was outcasted for for protesting the national anthem. Ray Rice got outcasted when evidence of domestic violence came up in on him. So I mean, you're looking at this, yeah, it's just a civil suit, but Antonio but just because of Antonio Brown and and the way he plays and how great of a player he is doesn't make shouldn't make him immune by any means just because of who he is. Looking at an article from CBSSports.com, the whole timeline of everything back from, geez, how, how far does this go back? What's the date of this? It goes all the way back to. It goes all the way back. January 2017. Yep. The Facebook Live debacle, which started in Pittsburgh. After the uh, Pittsburgh, after Brown caught a six passes for 108 yards to help the Steelers push past Kansas City Chiefs in the AC Division rounds, and that 18 to 16 nail biter, he showed his. Uh, team in the locker room, and then everything started up. And it went. He left the Steelers, came to Oakland, Raider Nation. He was all about it. Said I wanted to be a Raider from day one. And then everything just happens after that. I'm not, yeah. Jerry, I'm not gonna even I'm not gonna even go through this entire whole thing yeah. because it's one after another. Basically, in the last week and a half, you have enough headlines for 365 days worth of incidents, you know? Yeah. And and now that this allegation comes up, though, the question is, is I'm, my question to you now is, do you think he should be allowed to play after all of the behavior problems we've seen from him from, from with Look. Pittsburgh, with Oakland, to now the, the lawsuit that's being filed against him here with New England? Look, look, Patriots weren't forced to sign him, right? Yeah. The Raiders were forced to drop him. They had no choice. Yeah. He, he was, was just a cancer to the locker room. And a cancer. And I use, I'm very careful when I use the word cancer to a locker room. Antonio Brown was a cancer to the locker room. Yeah, definitely. He was a cell that completely killed all the other cells. You know? He had to go. Which he did. And then the world champion, Pittsburgh, or Pittsburgh, oh my gosh. My, world champion. <laughs> New England Patriots. New England Patriots, excuse me, picked him up. For half of what he was getting paid in Oakland, mind well, you. it's still fifty million dollars in a year, which is really good for wide receiver. And yeah, he, and, definitely. And you know what? He he is actually will get signed to another year after that. Yeah, they have actually. Um, but anyway, talked about a anyway, continue. He will get his money. Anyway, yeah. Right. Yep. 
people got this whole conspiracy thing going about the Patriots saying that they wanted to sign him from, from the start, but the Steelers wouldn't give them anything. So he joined the Raiders and then somehow worked his way out. No, that's not. No, that's not. That's just AB being AB. You yeah. know, everything that we've seen is 100% authentic. No conspiracy here. Bill Belichick signed AB because he thinks he can help out the team. And maybe, you know what? And then this whole lawsuit comes out, and I'm not going to say anything about that. We live in a day and age to where people will accuse and people will presume their innocence until they're proven guilty. And then other people will say that they are quick to say otherwise. Excuse me, what? You're motioning for something. I was going to... You going to play something? Yeah, I had a clip. Oh, okay, you want to play a clip? I'm sorry. Yeah. Basically, all, all that I was saying is that this is a civil case. It's not a criminal case. It may just be a money grab. You never know. AB will play the Sunday for the Patriots. Go ahead. Yeah, and, well, I need the auxiliary cable. Oh, you need that. the auxiliary cable. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Jerry, just play it through the speaker. You're good. No. Play it through the speaker. That sounds horrible. No, but, yeah, AB will play this Sunday against the Bears. And, like I said earlier, Max Kellerman obviously thinks that AB shouldn't play, and I honestly agree with him, but some of the points that he was making makes I had some questions about as we and and like Matt was saying, just you you have enough headlines to make a three hundred and sixty five pretty much headlines to make a full year. If you, if you had enough, if if you laid out a full year of headlines, and if they're all about AB. That would be the equivalent to what the last week and a half has been. Yeah, from demanding to from confrontation with your boss to wanting out to an apology uh, to yeah and then an, getting fined again, then releasing the video of, of of Gruden, then saying we're good, he will play on Monday, then getting fined again, then asking for his release, and then the release. Yeah, there's just there is just a lot of going on here, but. Now that I have the video pulled up, because ads, you know, on killer, yeah, killer. Uh, Max Kellerman, let's see what let's hear what he has to say. The, the NFL and the Patriots should move more expeditiously before this game, and this is the only question I would need to know to see if he's on the field or not. Was that you who sent the text message that's out there right now about what you did while she was asleep? If the answer is yes to that, I don't need to know whether he was lying in the text message or whether it was true, whether the, he can contextualize it as part of an ongoing kind of relationship they had where that was okay somehow. I don't need to know any of that. If if he sent that text message, which it, if he denies it, okay, fine, then maybe he'd get on the field. But if he's saying, yep, that was me who sent that text message, he's not on the field for me this Sunday. Max Kellerman, first take. I believe this was earlier today, too. Yeah, probably. If, if he is... If he did, in fact, send those te- send those text messages that are being brought up here on this lawsuit, you should not be allowed to suit up or play. And he, and again, I feel like it's just of who he is that he is being allowed to play. We have seen players who have been caught in domestic assault cases. Uh, Kareem Hunt for Kansas City. He gets caught. Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott. We'll accept that was those charges were dropped. Yeah, Ezekiel Elliott got off with a suspension. Kareem Hunt got pretty much got dropped from Kansas City mm-hmm. and was outcasted until those dro- charges got dropped, and he's now allowed to play again in the league. 
Uh, still on suspension, though. Still on suspension. Ray Rice had the had the domestic violence. Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis. Back in the day. A lot of players have been ha- have faced these, and they have all faced heavy punishments. Well, look, 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 but, look. But as as Jerry, as of this, the NFL is allowing AB to play. This is not a criminal case, right? Yeah. And that is what the defining factor is here. It's a civil case. The NFL is also conducting their own investigation. They will interview both the victim, the alleged victim, and the alleged uh, the alleged um, assaulter, which is Antonio Brown. And what was that? Oh, my gosh. The ox cord just got unplugged, and that was, that was something. Wow. Gosh, my ear just hurt. Anyways, um, I'm just kind of done with this whole A-B thing. If he plays this Sunday and if he just helps Patriots out. You know, like I think the Patriots are fine without him. Yeah, they don't need him. And the fact that they added him, I'm just curious to see if he will play, how much he will get targeted. Because the reason why A.B. wanted to go to Oakland and leave the Pittsburgh Steelers is because he felt like him and Big Ben weren't getting along and he wanted to be targeted by a QB who actually wants to throw to him. Um, New England's not going to do that, especially Tom Brady. Especially with players like Josh Gordon and Julian Edelman on that same team. Edelman being a Super Bowl MVP from last year. So, how is this going to work out? I don't know. I don't know how AB is going to fit into the system. It doesn't work for me. Um, I don't see him being held to con- held to restraints. I don't see him obeying. I don't see him bowing down to Bill Belichick. You know, yeah. Because if we remember Jerry when we were when he was leaving um, Steelers, he basically said in a few interviews, he's like, people have to obey to my rules. Those were the kind of statements that he was talking yeah. about. Yeah, and. With New England, it's more of the fact that Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, they're not going to do any of that. No. They they have a system that works, and I think that's why Antonio – I think that's why the Patriots were are willing to throw some chips on the table for this because they know they have their system, and if Antonio Brown doesn't like it, he, he isn't going to be a part of it. They're going to get rid of him. It is – the Patriots are – as much as you – can say you don't like them. They're with a, one of they are one of the smartest franchises in the leagues, and especially with a guy like Bill Belichick as your head coach, who knows when players are going to be worth their money and should get paid versus the ones who you may have to pay, but you really don't need them. Look, I was excited when he joined Oakland because I wanted to see how much he would tear them apart. We've seen the aftermath now. We were all right. It happened. Shoot, I'm sure Steeler fans are like, good. He's out of here. He's their problem. Oakland thought they could handle him. Everybody thinks they can fix the problem. Everybody thinks they can be the person to save, person who eventually needs saving. But you know what? Antonio Brown doesn't think he needs to be saved. He's already a prophet. He's already God himself in his own eyes. And you know who's God in New England? This is Belichick. You know who's Jesus? Tom Brady. Antonio Brown doesn't fit into that. And Antonio, when, <laughs> Antonio Brown will just be the reckoning of New England, and I can't wait to see it. Yeah. And when we come back, we're gonna California it makes a new law. Should college players get paid for their endorsements? No. We'll, we'll discuss this when no. we come back. Matt Kennedy, Jerry Peralta, wired up. It's trash. I spend a lot of time in the garage, but even more time in the rain, sleet, and mud. 
In 95, I helped tow your moving trailer. In 05, I helped you get out of a ditch. Yeah, I know I'm a bit rusty, and sadly in 09, it was sparks from me. Your handy chains dragging behind your truck that accidentally started a wildfire. Sparks from dragging chains can start a wildfire. Spark a change, not a wildfire. Visit SmokeyBear.com. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Only you can prevent wildfires. KMSA 91.3 FM, Grand Junction. You know, we could talk about A.B. Floyd Gates. Yeah. We could talk about him for years to come. And I genuinely think that this whole A.B. saga, which is not ending, by the way, it's, it's just... It'll never end. It's like, it's almost like the WWE. They never take an off season. You know? <laughs> I don't know why I compared it to that, but this is almost like a soap opera mixed with athletics. This is... A.B. is the pinnacle of sports entertainment. It's not Monday Night Raw. Dude, put A.B. on Monday Night Raw. <laughs> come on. Let A.B. win Golden. that. Let A.B. win that championship. You thought Hard Knocks was going to be good, man. Put him on the WWE. Put him, put him on a mic. Anyways. Um, <laughs> Better than what they're doing now. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, exactly. Jumping into a last segment, we got to head out of here soon. Jerry's calling a soccer game tonight, um, which, by the way, you can listen to on the RMAC Network and on KMSA, uh, which will be here eventually. Jerry will be calling the women's soccer game CMU with CMU. Josh Coleman. CMU. CMU. Yep. Um, yep. Yep. California has recently passed a bill. It's not a law yet. Unanimously, too. That there was no naysayers on this vote. California Senate passes a bill, so it's not a law, allowing student athletes to have endorsements. The Fair Play to Play Act now moves to Governor Gavin Newsom, who can sign it into law, which it may be so. The NCAA in California are going back and forth. Yeah. We're at this debacle. Should NCAA players be allowed to be endorsed? Heck to the fracking no. Yeah, NCAA calls calls this new bill, well, it, on the article it says law, but it calls the new bill unconstitutional and unlawful and even said that if it becomes law, uh, it would erase critical distinctions between professional and college athletes and because it gives those schools an unfair recruiting advantage and would result in them eventually being unable to compete in NCAA competition. Yeah, the NCAA is right to be worried. I I kind of disagree with Matt, but then I have some, I would have some say I have some opinions on how it should work if this is going to become a thing. Tyler France was going to join us. Sorry, he just texted me. He is calling a game currently at Stoker Stadium across the street. He said, "Sorry about that hot take." Uh, he said, hot take on AB. AB should not be playing in football because of the NFL's failure to do squat sensory rice. It'll always be bad no matter the outcome. Hey, he was on my side. Thank you, Tyler. Tyler Franson's hot take on that. Um, somebody who was on my side, and I love him to death. He's my idol, Tim Tebow. He was on first take this morning with Max Kellerman and uh, Stephen A. Smith on what he thought about California. Oh, my gosh. I just had a, California's I just had a, I just new had a bill. stroke. California said passing the bill. I just had a stomach. Oh <laughs> anyway. What the problem is, why can't they make profit off their likeness? 
well, then it just becomes the NFL. Now it's just who has the most money, who's going to pay them the most. And I think you take a, a lot of the, um, the authenticity and the realness in college football away. And are there people doing things that are illegal? Of course. But we're not going to set the standard for the people that are doing it the wrong way. We're going to set the standard for the people that are doing it the right way. And, and, and of course, there's, there's people that are going to... Um, try to go around and sneak and cheat. And that's been happening in college football. That's why we have to punish them. That's why we have rules. Are we gonna follow the rules? And if we do it the right way, then college football is gonna still be the best game in the US because that's, people are passionate about it and, and they love it. Look at the ratings, people care about it. And I think if you start paying people, I think it changes the authenticity and the realness and the passion of college football. Tim, I can, Tim, I can respect where you're coming from, man. He goes in, I think later on, Tim Tebow, he gives a similar take um, during the exact same segment. Calling which, it greedy and Yeah, and in, which, in which he talks about, um, you know, like being a team player. And this is a point that I made, actually, Jerry. Uh, by the way, you can find that clip on, on ESPN's YouTube channel on First Take. And um, I actually sent out a tweet earlier on today because I initially saw this on Twitter um, of that exact same clip. And um, Mike Golick from the Golick Comingo Show on ESPN um, tweeted at it, and I'm going to pull it up right now. I'm so sorry. I should be more prepared than this. Um, give me one second. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, sorry. Jerry, stall for a second. <laughs> okay, well, then I'll just give my opinions on this. It, if you're looking at this and you decide you want to start paying these college athletes for, for these endorsement deals, fine. You know, regardless of regardless of it, you need to implement some rules with this, though. You you can't just go in and okay. pay these college athletes millions upon millions of dollars because it, it just isn't going to work. And like the and like the NCAA has says, you know, it's gonna it's gonna be unfair recruitment advantage for a lot of colleges. You know, a lot of people will flock to California. Why? Because they want to get paid. You know, at, at that point, it wouldn't be about the money. But if you're going to do this, you have to set up rules and limits. Okay, you're going to pay a college athlete. The, the max they can get is $10,000. The jury wants to put a limit to it. If, which, you're, if it's going to if become it, a thing. That this, which it more than likely will. All, all the governor has to do is sign off on it. Then you put that limit there because then, then now students can be like, okay, I can get uh -huh. paid. But then you put a limit on that money. And how you can even go even further and put a limit on when they receive it or how it how it is given to them. Right. So Mike Gullick on the Gullick Domingo Show and formerly Mike and Mike, he said in response to Tim Tebow's comment, he said, sorry, disagree with this. Loving your college and being a team player and making money off your likeness doesn't uh, don't have to be mutually exclusive. That's bad grammar, Mike. Um, and I replied to his tweet. I said, I don't think you understand what Tim is saying here, Mike. Money controls people, and when that gets in the mind of college athletes, they start to care about their team less and less. It happens in the NFL, and it is now headed to college sports. Mike replied to me, right? That's pretty cool. You know, Mike Gullick replying to my tweet. He said, I understand exactly what he is saying, and I stand by my original tweet. So Mike does understand what Tim T was saying, according to his knowledge, and he thinks that money will not influence, and he thinks, you know, he thinks they can be a separate thing. It, that's, and, and I said to that, sorry, Jerry, I just want to say yeah. my last tweet to that. I said, you don't understand. Not every athlete is a team player. And those guys get dollar, sorry. And when those guys get dollar bills fed into their ego, it becomes a hundred times worse. And then I also replied, 
thing. I don't. Wait, when did I say? <laughs> Matt, very. I had plenty of replies here, but you know what? They all, they all get lost. A- anyway, in the thing. I'm, I, you yeah. get what I'm saying. Yeah. I also pointed out. I asked him, "What do you think will happen?" I said, "Rookie contracts will be inflated." I said, "Players will start to think they're above their team." I said, "Players will eventually." Only play one year of college and then live off that money for a year. And then, I don't know. Dude, so many outcomes can come out of this law. Yeah. It's going to create a ripple effect that is just not good for anybody. See, uh, the whole problem stance with this, though, is if you're going to implement it, and I feel because it's going to happen, one way or another, college athletes will s- someday be getting paid for these kinds of things. The whole, the only way you can stop it is by, is by putting limits and how – on and rules on how this could work <laughs> i mean that's really all you can do and i mean it and like matt says it hasn't passed yet it still has to go to the governor and even then we don't know what the governor's take on this is so it's just it's going to be interesting to see what happens moving forward with this the last thing, the bill heading to the governor's desk would prohibit the NCAA from banning a university from competition if its athletes were compensated beginning in January 1st, 2023. See, now that I would have, now that I don't agree with because if, because then you're pretty much telling the NCAA, okay, these guys are getting paid, but you still have to let them play. The NCAA is, is part of colleges for a reason. The NCAA is to regulate these kinds of situations. Yes. yes. And the president of the NCAA um, is urging lawmakers to delay making a decision until after a group of college presidents, uh, conference commissioners, athletic directors, and athletes studied whether such a financial agreement can exist. This is all on the Los Angeles Times article. So that's all we got for you guys this week. Tune in next week. <laughs> what place. a way to just close out the show. All right, bye, guys. <laughs> Basically, you got to go call a game, dude. Yeah. You got to go call a game. Same time, same place. Next week, Matt Kennedy, Jared Peralta, wired up.